I would like to welcome everybody back to another episode of the House of Bricks podcast. And if you've been following our show, you know that we have featured NBA champions, Super Bowl champions, national champions, top CEOs, doctors changing the landscape of healthcare. The one thing I want to tell you today is that your dreams are actually closer than they may appear. And the way to envision that is the dream is not about what you achieve, but it's actually the process and how you get there. And the common thread between all of our guests is on their climb to the top, they have all faced adversity time and time and time again. And we all know that you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can control how you respond. Another goal of the House of Bricks is not just to impact my generation, but it's how do we leave a legacy by impacting the next generation. And today's guest currently plays hockey for the University of Minnesota in the state of hockey. He's played for the national development team. And more importantly, he's a man of character, integrity, and trust. I'd like to welcome Jimmy Snuggerud to the House of Bricks podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And thanks for having me on, Adam. I'm very excited. Anytime. So, Jimmy, you and I got connected. I actually have, last year I had three sons at Breakaway Academy, this year two, getting the, the freedom of being able to play hockey and go to school at the same time. I know your dad is one of the founders of Breakaway, but I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your story kind of growing up in the state of hockey and talk to us about your journey. Yeah, I think kind of growing up in Minnesota, it's it's super fortunate as a person and not a lot of People know that because they all don't grow up in Minnesota and having that that hockey growth and kind of growing up with a game of hockey is something that I did every day and my family kind of brought it up along me. And I think I grew up in Chaska, Minnesota. I played for Chaska Chanhassen Hockey Association and kind of just growing up playing in the winters with all my buddies on the outdoor rink and practice with our teams at night. And then, like you said, I was fortunate enough to go to Breakway Academy in the fifth grade. And spending four years at Breakway Academy is one of the kind of biggest impacts that's had on me. I left all my, my Chask buddies to go to the school that my dad and Andy Brink had created. And it's still going to this day. And I think kind of going on the rink every day there and spending time with other athletes was really, really huge as a young kid to get, get into more into hockey. And then on from there, I played at Chaska High School under my dad for one year, my freshman year. And then was fortunate enough to play two years in Michigan, and now I'm here. And I think just kind of going back to Minnesota and the the hockey and how how huge it is here. It's I'm super fortunate as a person. So I don't know if you know this, but I was born and raised in Detroit. So I went to Brother Rice High School there. A lot of connections in the state of Michigan, but we're here now in Minnesota. And like you said, I mean, it's a great honor for kids to go to Breakaway Academy. I wish. They had that when I was growing up, being able to to play hockey and also get an education at the same time during school hours. I think they do a great job of balancing that. And it's not just the academics that you're learning there, but they teach on things that will carry on throughout your life, no matter what your career or profession is, teaching you about character, integrity, hard work. So I'm a big fan and, and supporter of the school and definitely an honor for my two boys to go there. So you grew up in Minnesota, spent some time in Michigan. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience and what team you were on there? 
off my freshman year of Chaska, I was invited to play for the U.S. National Team Development Program. It's a two-year basis out in Michigan at in Plymouth at USA Hockey Ice Arena. Uh, it's a really fun two years, honestly, is how I can explain it best. They take 25 guys together on a team, 25, fortunately, of the best O4s in the United States. And, you know, I was really fortunate to play with some really good hockey players there and meet some really nice people. And kind of just on from there, you're a 16 year old when you go in and you end up as an 18 year old. So the two years there was, was really, really cool. And, and the time I spent with those guys, you mature as a person and you also become a better hockey player, kind of living on more on your own and, and coaches going to the rink. These are pro level coaches and they treat us like pro hockey players. And to have that experience is something that I'll never forget. And like I said, it's it's just really fun to kind of come in with those 25 guys and spend every single day with them for two years straight. So at Chaska, you played varsity as a freshman, right? Yep. And then you, you leave home, you go to the national development team. Now, not all kids are as fortunate as you to kind of have that path, but I'm sure you've seen kids that you grew up with that maybe were on a, a Bantam B team or even B2, whatever it is. Have you seen some of them be late bloomers? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, where did this come from? Or most of the kids that you've seen have kind of had that straight path to success. I'd say it's a total split of both. I think the, the route I took is is just one of the four or five routes that can possibly be taken. I've seen so many players started, like you said, Bantam Bs and come on the upbringing. I can think of one right now. Uh, Sam Renzel, he's on my team now. He wasn't fortunate enough to make NT, NTDP, and he played Chaska for a couple more years than me, then played in Waterloo for a couple of years in the USHL. And now, you know, he's here on this team on, on the Minnesota Gophers with me now. I mean, he's he's a stud defenseman. He knows how to play the game well. And I think like I said, the route that I took was, it's a route that can be taken, but I've seen other guys go through the North American League, the, like I said, the USHL, or even four years of high school with all their buddies and, and come and play college. And it's just so different for everyone and their roots. And I'm sure you've tuned in to every episode of the House of Bricks podcast. I mean, you're a raving fan. I, I know it. You've heard every episode. What we're trying to do is previous guests, just because I'm an old man, I'm 45. The people that we've connected with are former Super Bowl champions, former NBA champions, guys in the Hall of Fame at University of Kansas. And what they've all shared is some of the adversity that they've faced along the way. And you see the name, the House of Bricks, it's you know obviously based on my last name. And then also we view life's experiences like bricks. And it's really not what happens to you. It's how you process those experiences. What have been some of the big challenges that you've faced along the way as a hockey player? Yeah, I'd say there's been a ton. Honestly, adversity is one of the, the biggest things that I've gone through. I think just from the outskirts of my life, people think, you know, high school, NTDP, Minnesota. But when you're living in the present, it's so different. Like as a 17, when I first got to NTDP, uh, guys were just getting together. We were getting our lines together. And, you know, by the third part of the year, end of the year, I was playing eight, nine minutes a game, which is anyone who doesn't know hockey, that's really low. A normal normal minute of pace is, you know, 16, 17. And I wasn't really where I wanted to be as a player. I wasn't where I wanted to be as a skater. And, and on from there, at the end of the year, guys were getting called up to – the higher level team as an 18 to play in that tournament. And I wasn't one of those guys. And I realized I need to become a better hockey player. I need to learn things with these guys are learning and give time like, like they are. And 
kind of learn the ways of the game and how how to live in the present as a person and every time I stepped on the ice from that after that 17 year summer when I was playing those low minutes it was what can I do to be you know the best player on this upcoming team what can I do to play with the best players and you know I kind of had to give my social life away as a person and kind of dial in and improve my skating to a point where I tried to be the best every single day and and I had to spend time away from my friends and do certain things away from away from the my house and the rink that helped me improve my game. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough my 18 year to become a better person and become more mature and become better skillfully and play with better players. And on from there, I think I've just taken that route every single summer, every single time I step onto the ice is kind of just live in the moment and enjoy where you are as a person because you can't worry about the past or, or the future because it won't change. And what did you notice about what you needed to improve on? Are you naturally gifted at the game of hockey? I know your father played in the NHL and you grew up around the game. Were you naturally talented? Did you have a strong work ethic? What What did you see as kind of the deficiency there or the change you had to make? I would say I was naturally talented growing up in Peewees and Bantams, and I really liked to work on my shot away from the game and kind of improve that. I think that's one of the better aspects of my game and when the time I got to the higher level I, I realized that I didn't I didn't have the speed to keep up to other guys and you know my shot was just kind of average and my playmaking was just kind of average and that summer is like I said when I really realized I had to put in the time and and do things that you know most guys weren't doing in order to kind of be who I wanted to be and and I was really fortunate to play with some really really good hockey players and you know that's helped my upbringing quite a bit but I just think as a person kind of facing that adversity really helped. No, it's great. You were able to process that and make the adjustment because I grew up playing basketball. There were always guys with talent, but the further you progress in your career, everyone's talented. So it's who can put the combination of the talent and the work ethic together. Those are the ones that continue to excel. So even though I'm older than you, I'm going to ask you now for some advice. So I have four sons that play hockey. I have a junior at Minnetonka, a freshman, and then two sons at Breakaway. The way I was brought up was a lot of pressure from my parents to succeed in sports. It was, hey, I'm giving up my weekends. I'm giving up, you know, we didn't grow up wealthy. I would say lower middle class or what I said in my last podcast is I'm one generation removed from the trailer park. So that's <laughs> kind of where... You know, my parents grew up, but they instilled in me a lot of success, like a success-based mindset, a lot of discipline. The House of Bricks is not just about impacting the current generation. It's how do we impact the next generation? And a great example of that is what Coach Prime is doing at the University of Colorado. So he still has the coaching disciplines of creating accountability, structure, and process. But part of being a great coach is the ability to relate to the people that you are coaching. What advice do you have for parents that have kids and you know, really all sports require a high level of commitment from both the kid and the parent? What have you felt like even in your own life or seen in terms of the right amount of pressure and accountability that a parent should apply to their kid and in, in their journey in sports? Yeah, I do get asked this question a lot, actually. And I think that it's kind of the basis of back to being where your feet are and living in the present. As a parent, I'm obviously not a parent, but I've I've had them ask questions about, 
kids and you know what should they be doing should they be be playing hockey all year round should they be playing golf to get their multi-sport athlete ability up but I think when I was a kid when it became fall winter and in spring I wanted to be a Stanley Cup champion then once the summer hit you know I wanted to win the World Series and I wanted to be a baseball player and I think it got to a point where hockey had to be my sport but in my upbringing I think my parents didn't put too much pressure on me to be a hockey player my mom my mom does a lot for me and she's always there for me and she didn't care if I quit hockey kind of went to the same for my dad obviously trying to probably wanted me to play but he didn't care if I quit he didn't force me to play hockey I think you know I I grabbed that hockey stick they might have put in my hand but I just love the sports and stay one and I grabbed the baseball bat in the summer and now it's it's kind of the same with golf I I love playing hockey in in the winter and then I I kind of like go for a bit and play golf obviously I train very highly and train with some very high athletes but I think just kind of that pressure that parents put on kids these days is to skate all year round and do things 5 a.m. before school or 4 p.m. after school. It kind of get too much. Like these kids, just just let them be kids. Let them hang out with their friends. Let them do what they need to do. And when the time comes being Bantam's high school and they realize that they can be a, a, a player and have a passion to this sport, then let them do that. And they know that they'll be motivated enough in order to uh, play the sport for a long time. No, that's a great perspective. And we talked a little bit about your dad briefly. Was there any legacy pressure growing up? I mean, fortunately, none of my kids play basketball. So there isn't that kind of comparison of, hey, I got to be like dad. And not that I would put that pressure on them anyway, but it's just you have a parent that has success at a certain thing. And then you're trying to pursue a similar dream. Did you feel any of that pressure at times or was it just your own journey and you were ready to to go after it I go back with saying it was my own journey I think like I said he didn't care if I played hockey or not I I I wanted to play the sport and I knew my dad's legacy since I was you know 12 13 years old I'd, I'd search him up every day see what team he played for watch some of his highlights and to have a parent in the in the game and what he did and play college and NHL, I think it just drives me as a person more to kind of reach those goals and be like my dad. I know he's faced a lot of adversity in his career and he's told me all about it. And I think having those character traits that he had and the adversity he faced that I know is something that's been so huge in my, my game and what I've learned from him. So kind of having a, my dad in that sport was huge. And then I'd say on the other side, my mom has such a huge passion for the game too. I think you know, she does Ironman, she does marathons, and she's such a passionate person. And, and she she knows what it takes to be the best every day. So I'd say just those two, just, you know, not putting too much pressure on me. Like, like you said, my dad having that legacy kind of motivates me every day. How old are you 19? Yeah, for a 19 year old, you're communicating very well, and you got a great perspective. And I think what I love about sports, not only is the competition, but the carryover into all areas of life. You're learning discipline, accountability, how to work in a team environment. I'm sure based on your career path, uh, you know, playing at the national program, now at University of Minnesota, that you've had some great coaching. What are some of the things that stood out to you from the coaches that you had and kind of some life lessons that you've learned? Yeah, I'd say my dad was basically my coach growing up. So, I mean, the traits that he showed me, like I said, is the adversity you're going to face as a person and as a player. 
and what he did for me is it's been huge and it will always be huge. But then once I got to the national team development program, he obviously passed me off on Adam Nightingale and, and the coaching staff there was really unbelievable. Adam Nightingale gets the game. He understands hockey. He, he was a pro coach for the Detroit Red Wings and now he's a coach at Michigan State. He knows what it takes for players to be the best they possibly can be. And he put a lot of adversity on me as a player. Like I said, I wasn't playing high minutes and he told me I had a meeting with him and he told me if you want to you know, come back and be the best possible player you can, you need to work on your skating and your poise as a player. And, and I think I took that to heart. And like I said in that story before, I, I came back even stronger as a person and as a player. But I think all coaches I've had growing up really all rely on how you are as a person off the rink is, is how you play on the rink. I think being a, a characteristic person off the ice and a leader off the ice really shows you know, great integrity on the ice. Well, I'm glad you mentioned leadership. I remember growing up kind of in the locker room in that sports setting, like you could always identify the kid where his dad was like, go in and be a leader. And he's, you know, trying to be the loudest voice in the room and, you know, being like a a junior coach or it was obvious what they were trying to do. And of course, no one ever really bought into that. And so just advice for our parents that are raising hockey players, athletes, but also we have a younger audience as well that that listens to our show just because of the type of athletes and, and guests that we do have. What have you seen work in the locker room where someone is able to get buy-in from the team as a player, as opposed to coming in and just being the loudest voice or you understand what I'm saying? I've had a lot of leaders who are, I consider them like fake leaders. You can, you can tell pretty early on a stage when a, a kid is a fake leader and a real leader. There's a lot of guys I've played with who, you know, talk in the locker room and say, do this, do that. And they go out on the ice and, don't do this and do that. <laughs> I've seen guys who don't talk much in the locker room and, you know, have the best work ethic and the best competitiveness on the ice. There's a lot of players I can think of who don't talk much as leaders and do on the ice and do special things. So, you know, as a parent telling a kid to do your best, talk in the locker room, be a leader, I'd say try to not make them a fake leader. Just have them show it on the ice and kind of show the work ethic and competitiveness it takes to be the best on the ice and because you want to become a better hockey player and you know what you need to do to improve. So give us some examples. Like what are things that kids can do today to, to be a leader? You mentioned work ethic. Uh, Obviously that's, you know, something you're doing behind the scenes that is an overflow of practice and, and on the ice, but a couple practical things that they could potentially do to, to work on their leadership skills. Yeah, I mean, I would say learn the character traits, integrity, optimism, determination, motivation. I think integrity goes with this perfectly. It's my definition is doing the right thing, even when no one's watching, you know, hold the door for the old lady, help her cross the street, shoot pucks when you don't, you don't, you think you're tired, do things, go ride the bike for five extra minutes and condition yourself to a point where you think you're the best condition you're in. You're probably not. Go do it again. It's, uh, it's kind of all to a leadership point where you think you're at your top point, but you're really not. And I think one of the best leaders I've ever had is Brock Faber. He was our captain last year. He plays for the Minnesota Wild currently. He just, that guy always does the right thing. Even when no one's watching, he's, he's, he's a top, top tier guy, top tier person, most mature guy I've ever met. And he goes on the ice and blocks nine shots a game. He just, 
he, he knows what to do in, in every scenario, and that's why he's one of the best at it. Your generation of athletes, some of the things that you guys have to face in terms of social pressure, we didn't have social media, the things that you guys have today. Talk to me a little bit about your mental toughness, just some of these situations that you've been in, moving away from home, going to Detroit, being the national program, now playing at the University of Minnesota. You've been on very high stages at a young age. Give us some insight into how you've developed mental toughness and any practical things that that kids could work on to do that. Honestly, it's so easy to get caught up in, in social media these days and, you know, what he's doing, what, what other guys doing. You know, most people in this day are, I think there's 4% of people who are above and beyond and 96% are average. And I think the 4% of people really have a growth mindset in this world and 96% of people have a fixed mindset. And those 4%ers really stay away from social media. They know what to do. They don't care what other guys are doing on other teams. They don't care about other statistics. And and 96% of guys are looking at this, oh, wow, he scored that goal. Wow, that's, that's so cool. And I think just kind of to be that 4%er, you have to really focus on your teammates, yourself, and your coaches and not worry about anything else except winning. And I think having that growth mindset to win and and eventually it will come to a point where it becomes a habit in your daily life. And over time and over time, you keep doing these things and, and you get rid of social media. You don't care what other people are doing it. Like I said, it just becomes a habit. So in addition to playing for the national program and University of Minnesota, you were also drafted into the NHL. And I want you to take us there kind of on that day, walk us through that experience, what's going through your mind. You're seeing other guys in the program get drafted before you. I know you're happy for them. They're your teammates, your brothers for two years uh, celebrating their success but sitting there, just walk us through what's going through your mind and having that day finally come to fruition. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I think, I don't know if I'll experiencing anything like that other again, honestly, just kind of sitting there with your family next to you, knowing that, you know, they've been with this journey the whole time. And, and like you said, you see top prospects go, you know, one through five. And I was fortunate enough to play with two of them on my line. I think it's so cool just to watch them walk up to the stage and, and know that you played with them all year and they're succeeding in their part. And two other guys go ahead of me, Rock McGordy and Frank Nazar, and those guys are unbelievable hockey players, I I think. They both obtained some really unbelievable skills. And and then your name gets called and you're like, Whoa, this is this is happening right now. You walk down to the stage, you kinda of black out a little bit and you shake Carrie Bettman's hand. <laughs> it's like it's pretty unbelievable, honestly. You take that picture and then you look up and your family's sitting there. It's it's honestly a really cool experience, and, and I don't think I'll ever have that again. Well, you never know, because now that you've been on the House of Bricks podcast, I've told you this three times now, we've got a Super Bowl champion, two NBA champions. So you may, and I hate to say this being from Michigan, maybe the Minnesota Gophers win a national championship this year. Yeah. And it may parallel in that experience, and then... Perhaps great favor will continue and you raise the the Stanley Cup one day. So those two may compete with that moment. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, probably. I would assume so. What do you think is different from a coaching perspective of how to relate to today's athlete as opposed to, you know, what it was maybe 10, 15 years ago? 
every sport has changed so much into a perspective to whereas the present day there's so much more social media involved and so much more skill involved. I think I'm not going to say that for every sport because I don't know exactly, but for hockey, I think skill has evolved so much to a point where the coaching, you know, has taken a huge step and a huge difference. And coaches back in the day, just hearing from my dad are, are so different than they are now. I think that, you know, you see guys like Trevor Zegers, uh, Jack Hughes, anyone, honestly, like the older guys too in the league, just doing these crazy, crazy plays. And, you know, you need to know how to coach them as a as a coach. And like I said, I've experienced some great coaches. And, you know, I don't know what professional hockey is like because I obviously haven't played any games at that level. But, you know, from watching it, I can assume that you need to be able to coach these guys to, to a point or a level where you can let them play and let them make those, you know, crazy plays. And it's it's honestly really fun to watch. It is. The, the skill level really in every sport is insane to compared to what it was 10 to 15 20 years ago, I mean, the size of the athletes, the speed they play at, uh, the things they can do with the basketball, the hockey puck, football. It's just unbelievable the quality of athletes that they are just naturally, physically. I think seeing the passion for the game, I think, like you said earlier, letting your kids play the sport because they love it, it'll become a job really quick when you get into the higher levels. And if you don't love the game, you're going to eventually just just burn out and, and fizzle out. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is no matter how far you go in sports, there eventually everyone's going to need a resume. And are you doing anything now actively like thinking past the game of hockey uh, in terms of building your network of business people you may know or relationships, or do you have mentors that you've kind of found like, hey, this guy's 10 years older than me, had a successful NHL career, but this is how he's transitioned into the business world or commentating. Are, are any of those thoughts going through your mind now, or are you just focused on the task at hand? I'd say definitely. I, I've heard this a lot. Hockey's obviously going to end at some point for me and for every player in the world. I think it's going to happen and there's going to be a point and I am thinking, you know, totally about the future. It's you're going to find some people that you want to meet on the way up because, you know, there's there's definitely a way down and you're going to want to come back to you know them again and, and speak with them and, and, and have those friends. And I think I'm honestly not 100 percent sure. I'm, I'm still I obviously go to school here in Minnesota, so. You know, I have to choose a major and I'm in business marketing. And I think that that side of life is so important as a person because you're, you're going to need that later in life. And, you know, kind of just talking with a lot of guys, a lot of pro guys who you know, are, are retired and finished with their careers. I see the jobs they're taking and the path they're taking. It's it's really cool to see and hear about their stories and what they have to say about, you know, you know, the way down and what happens after pro. But just kind of know that, you know, presence of life that that exists is is really important as a person because it's going to come again we're all going to need a resume whether you've won a championship had a 10-year 15-year career and the athletes that i've seen have success after playing the game that they love and how they're earning a living at that time is building that network leveraging your time now on this platform of athletics and succeeding at a very high level. So we all know that success in life does not just happen. 
You don't just decide to be successful. It is a commitment to do the little things every day, consistently, over time, to make a big impact. That's just an encouragement for me to, to be able to be thinking about life after hockey. And it doesn't have to be outside of the game, whether it's you know in coaching, commentating. That's how I've seen these athletes continue, again, even, even after they finish their playing career. So I will let you know anything I can do to, to help you out being in business marketing. I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years now, started five different businesses. So I do have an understanding of business. Happy to help you in any way that I can for sure. Do you have any questions for me as we wrap up? Not at all. Honestly, I just think it's so cool to be on this podcast, see the people that have come on and you're obviously very successful at this and what you do. So, you know, to be, to be on here, to be, you know, a person that does this, it's really cool. So thank you for having me on. Well, I can tell you my success has been built through failing over and over again and never quitting. And that's really the message of the house of bricks is, we're trying to get people to use every experience as a positive. It's really how you process it. You cannot control what happens to you, but it's your perspective and how you respond to it. So I want to wish you the best of luck this season. You had an incredible year last year, and I'd love to see you guys win a national championship this year. And then that'd be a springboard into a phenomenal NHL career for you. So I want to thank you for being a guest on the House of Bricks podcast, Jimmy Snuggerud, wish you the best. Thank you very much.